everybody welcome to catfish weekly episode 52 uh, that's the first time we've been able to try to use the new intro uh, the only way that we can figure out how to do it's that screen share um, let us know if you were able to hear it not able to hear it uh, I did I did full screen it about halfway through um, so if, if you you know I'll probably probably should try to get that done quicker but um, just let us know what you thought of that new intro um, we'd appreciate it very much. Like I said, this is episode 52. Today we're going to be talking about uh, trip planning, you know, planning your <coughs> planning your um, uh, tournaments and planning just your just for fun type of trips, things like that. Um, talk a little bit about what we might have done past couple days and over the weekend fishing and whatnot. But uh, um, I'll go ahead and and uh, let Chuck get us kicked off here and. Thanks everybody for joining and and you guys got any questions or anything for us just let us know in chat. Yeah, I planned me a good old trip this weekend. I went up to Gunnersville and uh, the the uh, bite was terrible. So um when I plan trips, I there's a few different ways I do it. Tur tournaments and fun fishing uh, <laughs> <it's> totally different. <coughs> I try to keep my, um, you know, when I when I plan a, a trip for a tournament, um, you know, I I try to plan on getting fresh bait. Um, you know, I I want to very, you know, some are really nice to stay, uh, really close to where the uh, the tournament's going to be. Uh, you know, when it's going to be fun fishing, you know. I, I usually don't go overnight. I just try to, you know, plan to run for the day. With the tournament fishing going on, I really, it, the tournament fishing takes so much of the money now that, you know, the uh, fun fishing trips are pretty much out, uh, few and far more between than what I'm used to. So, um, I'm Chuck, just to interrupt real quick on that, you know. I'm really hoping, and and how do you think that the gas prices being as low as they are right now, if they stay that way, you think that's going to help you on being able to get to do some more fun fishing? Uh, that, no, it's really going to help me be able to do more tournament fishing. More uh, tournaments. <laughs> yeah, because you know, last year I was only going. You know, last year on my budget, I was only able to do one. You know, every couple of months, I had a couple more planned out that was uh, rescheduled, and I'd already planned vacation for them, which I ended up just doing some fun fishing during those two times. 
but um, you know, with the gas prices like they are, I'll be able to do more tournament fishing this year. Um, I'll probably just do. I, I live right here on the lake, and I probably had my boat in this lake twice last year. Um, I was just trying to get off to other places and learn different waters. Um, you know, I, I just got so used to, uh, you know, putting in here and, and just going up and down the river here and, you know, catching fish. Um, it wasn't as challenging as it was, you know, going somewhere else, learning new waters. Then, you know, when it was tournament time, I didn't, you know, the, the places that I should call my home waters and I should have advantage at, um, you know, I, I wasn't doing too well because I, I wasn't fishing those waters. They were really close. But uh, even though they're on the same chain or, uh, you know, pretty close to where, where I live, uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's a whole different, you know, it, you know, river fishing is what I'm used to here. I, I very rarely go up to the big water. Um, the lake above is Neely Henry. It's, uh, it's got some pretty good river downtown Gadsden, and then it gets big water, but it's, it's just totally different fishing than uh, Logan Martin is. So, um, you know, next year I'll just be able to plan on more uh, tournament fishing. So, it's gonna it's gonna take a lot of planning. Um, you know, right now what I did, I went ahead and uh, marked what tournaments I'm gonna be fishing for the year. Um, I haven't sent any uh, pre-registration money in yet. Uh, because there's a couple that I'm really wanting to go to that um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it or not to be able to meet the schedule that I really need to make um, here on my home waters. There's some, some larger tournaments coming and uh, that I didn't get the fish last year that I'm wanting to hit this year. So um, right now I've just got the tournaments that I want to fish planned out and I'll be... Um, you know, trying to schedule a vacation around those times. I at least want to take a day off, you know, before the tournament on a few of them, um, you know, so I can get down, try to get fresh bait, get a little bit of, um, you know, sc scan around with the uh, imaging a little bit, see what's going on, you know, try to get a little bit of advantage because, you know, somebody from out of state comes in and, you know, they fish a couple of lakes down from you. And, you know, they beat you on, that should be your home waters, even though you never fished it before. You should be able to know it and um, should be able to do well on your home lakes and, you know, defend your territory. Yeah, now do you have, uh, um, when you start planning on, on your, you know, like, like for myself, um, I, I don't think I have all the tournaments in there, but I've got quite a few and I'll probably end up putting more. Uh, but on my on my smartphone, I have you know of course the calendar app, and like um, you know you can see on mine, I got oh I hit the wrong button but like I've got January it has a couple tournaments and you know a few other things but like you go through and put like uh, the ice like for me I got ICA Hoosier Whiskers. Um, Let's see. I, I probably have uh, Bass Pros that are close by. Um, basically, anything that's going to be in my radius, I try to have it. Um, and my radius is really all over the state of Indiana and, and 
close by, you know, Illinois or Ohio, Kentucky. Um, you know, I try to get, and there's a lot, but I try to get the ones that I'm really interested in fishing. I get them all on my phone, and I'll, of course, have some that are overlapping each other, and but then I just decide which ones I'm going to, which I'm not going to. And do you do that as well, or you you muted yourself? Well, I, what I did, I mostly I, I made me an Excel spreadsheet, and um, you know I, I put it, I sorted it by the date, of course. Um, you know I, I'm trying to spread them at least two weeks apart. Um, at, you know, at the closest, because it, it'd be very, you know, with my work schedule and everything, it'd be hard for me to do, you know, t two weeks in a row. Um, so my my work, they they work with me a little bit. If if I don't take vacation on a Friday, I'm pretty much obligated to work a Saturday if I have to. Um, you know, to to guarantee me having a Saturday off, guaranteed, I have to take Friday vacation. Um, so, so the the more important tournaments that I want to make sure that I'm locked into, and I'm gonna make no matter what, you know, I, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, put in for a Friday off on uh, five of those. I only get ten days vacation a year, so most of my vacation is gonna be, um, you know, Fridays before tournaments, I guess. Um, now, one of the questions we got in here was, do you always catch fresh bait for a tournament, or do you just carry some frozen stuff with you, or and I guess I'd add to that, do you look for uh, bait, say, a day beforehand or, you know, just keep it on ice or do you try to get it the day of? You know, it's all in the planning as well. Yeah, I, I try to plan on getting it, um, what I'm going to use the next day uh, during during the evening bite. Uh, you know, if I'm going to get bluegills or whatever, I don't want to spend my whole day uh, Friday when I can be out scanning around and uh, you know checking out some holes see if they're hitting I just, I just like waiting until you know 435 o'clock 530 um, usually right when the bluegills or whatever's hitting or, or the shads or shads coming up in the sloughs really good or whatever and you know just just go out for about 45 minutes and, and get all the bait I need at once instead of spending all day trying to find bait and trying to get fish to bite so and that way by getting it you know right before dark um, it's usually not not that hard to keep everything alive overnight you don't have hot sun beating down on it all day and stuff like that and, and I always have frozen frozen with me uh, just in case I end it I usually waste more frozen bait than I use. I always bring stuff with me to make sure I've got it. By the time I come back home, it's thawed out. I usually bring too much to begin with because I always want to make sure I got enough. So th this year I probably wasted just as much skipjack as I actually used. You want to know, in, in, in all seriousness, this year being at that winter on Wheeler tournament, it completely changed with some, something that I do that you're talking about right now on the wasted bait because when I had, when I went to that winter on Wheeler tournament when we got there uh, I had three bags of bait left in my freezer and the three bags are three bags that I had probably thawed out and refroze at least four or five times I mean they were the uh, the emergency bait you know if I had to use it I would and that's the bait that I caught the 66-pound blue on down there. Um, so 
what that's done to me is that you know the bait that's been rethawed and frozen or whatever. It's of course it's going to be on the bottom of my freezer, but I'm keeping it in there <laughs> all year long, just in case we get to that point where you know come come you know December January whatever it is or get to a tournament, um, especially I guess on Wheeler Lake because them them fish seem to like that bait down there. Uh, I'll have it you know. Yeah, I just, um, you know, it, usually by the time I, you know, get good and thawed out, you know, a lot of summer tournaments here, it gets really, really hot. And, you know, just, uh, you know, just trying to keep it on ice and, you, you know, your ice is melting, you got your drain on your cooler open, um, you know, and it, it just usually gets more soggy than anything. Um you know, I don't have a pressure sealer yet, so my stuff's either, you know, wrapped multiple times in saran wrap and put in Ziploc baggies and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I just, I, I've refroze a lot of it, uh, but, you know, I've probably wasted more than I've used. And see, that's, that's something that I'm going to be doing new this year, too, is uh, instead of vacuum sealing, a lot of guys are doing the, uh, just the saran wrapping in there. You know, I mean, I guess it... It's going to do the same thing. Um, I guess you get a good uh, salt, you know, ice water blend or brine that flash freezes the skipjack, and you get them in uh, saran wrap. I mean, I would think that it's it's probably not doing any worse than being in a vacuum sealed container. Yeah, that's what I you know when when I go to catch skipjack, I I mix my my in my cooler half water, half ice. Uh, you know, probably more ice than water, but I just make a real slushy solution. Add about um, a third a box of ice, uh, salt, uh, rock salt in it. Um, you know, and it, that water gets really cold. I, I checked the temperature in it, and it was 25 degrees, the, the water temp. Um, and, and I, you know, you throw them down in there while they're still alive, and you see their tail just flip just a few times, and they're, they're froze solid. So... Um, you know, you could probably, uh, you know, how you, how you hear that uh, you can freeze a fish if you blast freeze one that you can bring it back to life. I, I bet I could have brought some of them out and just put them, you know, lay put them back in the water. That'll probably live. Oh, Doc but, Lang is in. And he says he's got a he's got a special way he does frozen bait. Maybe he'll he'll he prepares it. Maybe he'll tell everybody on here. <laughs> so. Um, you know, I I throw it in that salt salt water brine, and uh, you know most of the try most of the time I try to get it in the freezer. Uh, you know, after I dry it off real good, you know the the more I pat it off and dry it off, the the less uh, frost forms on it. Um, you know, it, it's going to get water all in their mouth and everything. But uh, you know, I I even scale most of my skipjack, and I you know the ones I do I I tag them for tournament or whatever. And baby them real good. Some some stuff I got some, uh, you know I doctor them up with some different juices and uh, scents and stuff like that, and I'll keep those separate. Um, and then you know I I try to get them in the freezer without them uh, ever getting back above 32 degrees. <laughs> hey, I tried, Doc. You know you can't blame a guy for trying. <laughs> No, I had something interesting, and matter of fact, I did this today. My son, one of my sons, 
uh, science fair projects. He just did, he you know we chose uh, which salt melts ice the quickest, and we chose you know we had uh, regular like uh, table salt, Epsom salt, rock salt, and kosher salt. And uh, what from from the experiment that we did today, actually Epsom salt kept kept ice as ice the longest. Uh, so it made me curious on whether or not you know that's I, I would guess that that's keeping water the coldest as well if it's keeping ice as ice the longest. So Epsom salt might be uh, the stuff to be using in these uh, in these brines that people are making for flash freezing. I, I'm, I'm not positive. It's something that I was going to look into a little bit more, but yeah, that's why I use the uh, kosher salt, the Epsom salts, the um, yeah the the salt. The salt tries to to melt the ice, and at the same time, uh, it it keeps the water from freezing. And it the some type of chemical reaction in there that uh, I mean, it just gets that water cold. You can't even put your hand down in it; it's so cold. And um, you, you know, just when you when you take it out of that brine, and, and they're just you know already stiff. Uh, and and the ones that I've done that to, um, after I've thawed them out, the 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 blood looked, you know, perfect, just like I I just cut him up fresh, um, even after being in the freezer for you know a month or two, and I, I don't know what it does with the blood. I don't know if it you know keeps it from you know soaking on into the meats or something like that, but um, you know that they look a real fresh after I. Um, you know, use a brine. Um, I was seeing some of this stuff, the, the way these guys, um, you know, do a brine with these um, menhaden and, and other baits, the saltwater guys, um, you know, they'll use a brine. They'll, they'll take a five-gallon bucket, and they'll put a layer of salt, and they'll just lay the bait fish down in a layer, put another layer of salt, and they'll actually keep their bait fish in a nice, cool place without putting it in a freezer and just keeping it in that salt. And um, the the holes they put in the bottom of the five-gallon bucket, you elevate the bucket, and all the juices and stuff that drain out of that bait fish will drain out the bottom of that five-gallon bucket into another bucket. And that stuff is supposed to be... The the, uh, the oils and the uh, you know all the attractants are supposed to be just as good as a fresh fish, and it's supposed to make it really tough, like a jerky, to where it is really hard to come off the hook. And I'm really wanting to try that this year with some smaller skips and stuff, and see how that works out for me. They salt they saltwater guys, uh, the guides, and these commercial fishermen on these offshore guys that they, they uh, swear by it. Yep, the um, Brown says use the salt from like a water softener, rinse them and uh, rinse them off, and then wrap in blue mechanic towels. Um, yeah, so so uh, Lyle, why don't you jump in and, and chime in a little bit? Um, see what uh, let everybody know what your your planning style is, what you do for preparation planning on tournaments and and just fun fishing and. Well, we try to. There, there's a lot of difference. Uh, like Chuck said, some of this stuff uh, depends on where we're going. If we're just fun fishing, you know, 
if uh, we're going locally here close by the Mississippi River, then we just throw what we're going to need for the day in the boat, rods and tackle and some bait. And we take off and go down there um, and, and spend our day around Clarksville, Louisiana, somewhere like that. Now, if we're going to be going uh, long distance, uh, it's basically the same as what we would do for a tournament. We take the same rods and stuff and the same tackle and uh, we would pack the truck up with extra clothing and uh, you know whatever else we would need to be gone for two, three, four, five days at a time. Um, and I never leave without froze bait. Uh, more than one time, I've run into instances where, like it was at Wheeler, they choose froze bait. Um, it was a couple of years ago, we won a tournament on froze shad that was over a year old. And people say, oh, you can't catch fish on froze shad. Well, you can. And that particular day, uh, they didn't want skipjack. They didn't want fresh shad. They, they want live bait. But that old froze shad had been laying in my freezer, which is the only reason we took it. It's the only shad we had. Uh, that's what worked that day. And I'm not going to tell you it'll happen all the time because most of the time you'll do better on on fresh caught bait. Now fresh caught bait I consider something being caught in the last day or so uh, been put on ice or kept in a live well alive and we all know shad's a little hard to keep alive but it can be done. Um, but basically uh, you know on tournament stuff we load up and and uh, Cindy's got a system where she puts stuff in the truck she knows where everything goes and I'm to leave it alone until she gets her stuff out and, uh, I get a little bitty area behind my seat and everything else. She puts all the stuff in, and uh, we're just ready to go. You know, she she knows what we got to have and what we got to take, and when we're going to need it and what we're going to need. And and uh, I've got a few 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 personal things, and I take care of what we need in the boat and get all that ready in the bait and and rods and tackle and stuff. And I check the boat over. And one thing I will mention that that I consider extremely important is to check over your trailer if you're going on on a trip. Now, personally, I take the tires and wheels off and I grease the wheel bearings every spring. Um, if we're traveling a lot, I'll do it again uh, later on in the year, um, four or five months down the road. And, and a lot of people say, well, you don't need that because you don't do a car wheel bearing, but uh, uh, ever, you know, 50,000 miles or whenever you need brakes or something, and that's true, but those never get in the water, in the, and if you have a seal that's not sealing and water gets there than bearings, the last place you want to be broke down with that boat trailer is out on the highway someplace, uh, miles and miles or states and states away from home. It's just the most miserable thing that could happen to you. So... Uh, I try to do that every spring, and like I say, if we're going a lot, I'll do it again about July or August because, uh, as a rule, we'll fish on up in the winter, and, and I do not want to be broke down on the side of the road due to something I knew I shouldn't have done. So uh, that, that's just something that we all ought to take into consideration while you're at it. Check your tires and, and uh, look over the frame. Make sure you don't have any stress cracks on it. And... Uh, uh, it's a good time to go in and check your low, lower unit uh, grease to make sure it's fine and anything else that you're concerned about on your boat motor. Just knock it out. Get it done, and then you don't have to worry about it for a while. I just, you know, that's part of preparation, and it's something you should do. And um, we always, if we're going anywhere other than just down the river, we'll, 
I'll check the air pressure in the tires before we ever leave to make sure it's all uh, ready to go. Um, not only is it good for the tires, um, but it will make them last longer and the price of tires you want them to last as long as you can. Same as on your, your car. You know, the boats, the uh, most people, now there is a lot of guys that have tandem trailers anymore, but uh, for the most part, I, think, I still think the majority of them is single axle, and you load, load them up for a trip, you put a lot of extra weight on them babies that, they're, that uh, they don't normally have, so you need to make sure the tires are inflated and the wheel bearings are taken care of and all that. So, uh, you know, it's just common knowledge, common sense stuff that most people overlook and, and neglect, but, um, you know, we don't change anything as far as hooks and stuff. We've got sinkers and things broke down into two or three uh, containers to where they, uh, uh, different places we go. I, did, I didn't really take any of the real heavy stuff when we went to Wheeler, but uh, when we go to St. Louis or down here to the Mississippi, I don't take any of the light stuff, you know. Uh, pretty much got an idea whenever we go what we're going to need, and uh, that's sort of how I do it. But um, tournaments, uh, a lot more hectic, hectic situation, and <clears throat> we do uh, we do make extra provisions and some of the stuff that we take along. And um, when we're traveling long distances, we don't plan on stopping and getting drinks all the way along. We'll take uh, big cups and two liters and ice and, and use them in the truck while we're traveling. And then the only thing I have stopped for is or go to the bathroom, something like that. So uh, uh, there's a lot of a lot of things that you can consider in that, and I could go on and on, and everybody else could too. But um, you know, you just one thing that really works out good, uh, and we normally do it. We don't do it every time, but we normally do is make a list of what stuff we need uh, before each trip. <clears throat> that way, we know uh, we've got everything um, done. And if we forgot something, we just have to pick it up. But if you make you a list out of what you're going to need while you're there, how many changes of clothes, uh, how many how many meals you're going to eat in the motel or at your cabin, and uh, are you going to eat on the way, you're going to stop out, and just make a preparation sheet of what you're going to need and how uh, how long you're going to be gone, and, and you can get an idea. And anything you do like that just saves you a couple bucks. That's just about more money you put in your next fishing trip. So um, just stuff to think about. Uh, I did want to mention uh, to John Nordyke, uh, welcome to the show. I believe this is his first night being with us, and it's really good to have him. I see we've got some other people that I haven't seen on in a while or hadn't seen, so it, I'm glad to see everybody getting in there. And Yeah, Brian Sanders says, how about an extra key for the boat? No kidding. <laughs> but, uh, uh, the, the problem with that, Brian, is I still don't have the old one out of that switch yet, so i got to work on that a little bit tomorrow and try to get that done and get me another key. But you're right, a spare key and a pick that did get old one out would sure be handy. <laughs> All right. Well, I know, I know as each of us talk about a little bit of stuff that, you know, others, you know, like when I start talking about something or, or you start talking about something that you'll you'll think of something else and just, you know, keep it in mind and we'll, we'll talk about it. But um, a little bit of my preparation. Um one of the things that I do is that I, I I definitely get on Google Earth. I look up the place that I'm going to be fishing. Um, I try to check the water out. You know, I try I try to check everything that I can out looking at the, looking at the Google Earth and, and seeing you know does this cove look like it has um, any depth to it or ledges or trees in it or 
you know, some kind of dam, any, you know, anything at all that, that attracts me to it. Uh, is there a point out there? Um, th is the Google or satellite image showing me this lake when it's down or when it's up? Or, um, you know, when it's down, really, it, I like it the most, honestly, because I've noticed a lot of things looking at Google image satellite footage that shows, um, you know, a lot of rocks or, or boulders or things like that that you can tell it's giving you a, a, a down like when they drain lakes and stuff for the for the winter pools or whatnot. Um, also using, uh, you know, I have the app on my phone. I think it's a ten or fifteen dollar um, Navionics app that you know I can pull it up and get the uh, you know more detailed um, uh, contour lines and depths and things like that to look at that as well. Uh, I, I go in and I'll, I'll you know I'll Google search the you know catfish and the name of the lake or the name of the you know the stretch of the river that I'm on and just see what kind of pops up and and you know and and, and that comes along with you, you know when you do that and you pull up a, just an area um, you know on Google Earth or whatever it actually shows pictures that have been taken and you know I guess cell phones things like that that have GPS coordinates uh, you take a picture. And you post it to Facebook or whatever, uh, and and ends up somewhere that Google indexes that photograph. Uh, it will index it with the location of where that picture was taken. So people might not know this, uh, but this does happen. And when you take that picture and it has the location and it's indexed on Google or whatever, it shows in a small list of uh, pictures on the bottom of the Google search and it'll show you, you know, such and such has a picture taken right in the middle of the river right here and you can click on that image and it'll be a guy holding a big old flathead, you know, and I mean, it, he didn't mean to give that away, but his phone told exactly where he caught that fish at. Um, this is, you know, some things, that, you know, or it, or where he took the picture at, you know, and like uh, some people will take that fish down the way and take, you know, but no matter what, it's all information that, you know, I look at and I start researching especially places I've never been. Um, yeah, I'll have the AutoChart Pro, but that's, you know, right now there's also other ways uh, during the summer. Uh, the good, One of the good things that I did with my Humminbird unit was uh, basically thinking about where the thermocline was going to be at on a lake that I had never been on before. And I sat out in my boat and I pulled up the lake. It was an HD, you know, an HD uh, Lake Master chip lake that I had on my fin on my hummingbird I uh, pulled it up and I did a depth highlight where I basically highlighted um, the areas that were outside of what I figured the thermocline was going to be you know above it and below it or whatever or actually above it any anything like you know 20 20 foot and above I, I highlighted in a green uh, thing and it showed me you know some areas where where to go and try immediately, and and some areas that I completely wanted to avoid. Which, um, you know, that right there can save you a lot of time. You know, if you don't, if you if it's a a five hour trip and you're not going to be pre fishing it, um, things like that are going to save you a ton of time, especially for tournaments uh, when time is you know of the essence to try to catch as many fish as you can. Um, one of the other things that I do is. I keep a bait tank in my in my garage. Um, this year, I actually want to change it up a little bit. I'd like to have a. I'm thinking of doing a uh, like the big 330 gallon tote that they sell the the liquid type totes totes that you can get at 
different, um, you know, food food grade supply yards where they use them. They just uh, discard them or whatnot. I've I've seen them on Craigslist around me for about forty bucks, and that's a three hundred and thirty gallon like tote that can be cleaned out and used. And uh, I'm gonna put it probably in in my back under the under my uh, awning type thing. It's not really an awning. It's like my overhang for my back porch. I have a big area back there. Should stay in the in the cool shade year round. Um, I'm gonna keep you know bluegill things like that in there. Maybe some creek chubs uh, in that big one. And then I've got a 55 gallon drum that I'm gonna be pulling the top off of and and making a uh, shad tank. Hopefully I can keep some shad alive for a couple days. Um, and and I can go and try to get some fresh shad a couple days before a tournament and have them in my shad tank ready to go. Uh, come tournament time, and, and they're you know having fresh bait available to pull out of your garage on tournament day is awesome. I, I mean, you got a picture of that tote. You want a picture of the tote? You have a picture. I've not ever seen one. Like I don't guess. Um, yeah, I can pull one up. And while while we're talking about it, um, Melinda Jackson or uh, I got a message from Melinda Jackson asking about shad. Um, Basically, what you can do to get rid of the film, or, or, uh, you know, I guess the, when when they start to foam in the in the tank, the bait tanks or whatever. Uh, what I've got is it's just a powder form uh, coffee creamer, I believe. Um, the powder, you just take a little pinch of that, put it in the top of the thing, it gets rid of the the foam. Um, but normally, foam is it means there's something that's not good going on and and the coffee creamer isn't a fix it just gets rid of the foam but like if you're just trying to see you know exactly you know to see the fish and all that then and I'm trying to pull up a, a picture for you here Lyle I'm trying to find well, it you don't have to do it right now if you uh, yeah, here, here we go I've got it all right, so do, I'll do a screen share anyway, since I've, I just pulled it up on my local Craigslist. Um, let's see, share that. So everybody can see this right here. You can see liquid storage IBC tote tanks. They're, the, you know, got the big metal crates around them with almost like a, a skip underneath them. Yeah, I didn't know what the, what you were talking about. I'd like it. 40 bucks, I'd like to have one of them. Yeah, 207 inventory reduction, 275 and 330-gallon liquid storage totes. Uh, dry food waste, you know, can be used for pretty much anything. Right now, they got them. You can see they're forty bucks here in in Summitville, Indiana. But yeah, those those right there. I want to put one of those in the back, like I said, underneath the um, uh, right underneath the awning in the shade, keeping the shade year round. Um, I'm, I may have one in the garage that has some creek chubs in it, and use the big one out there for just bluegill. So I have three bait tanks ready to go at any moment with shad, bluegill, and creek chubs. But, uh, yeah, having the bait fresh and ready to go on tournament day, and that means I can go and catch it, you know, in, in the whole week leading up to a, a fun trip or a tournament or whatever, I can go catch it. I can be out, I can go out Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night fun fishing and just be catching some bait too and, and be catfishing and bring it home. And have it ready to go as well. So, um, 
you know, for for the planning stages, you know, doing the doing the Google the Google Earth and and looking up the water and and then just Google searching the catfish in that area, um, you know, also like I said with uh, the hummingbird, some of the features that they had, like I used it once this year with the uh, uh, thermocline. When I knew the thermocline was in heavy on the lakes, uh, I highlighted areas that I knew were going to be probably too deep to be fishing and, and I, I marked that well, I had those marked off and highlighted the areas above them so uh, it pointed me to the right direction I uh, didn't do I think I got fourth place in that tournament on a lake I'd never been on before with my wife um, you know basically uh, just out of the money which has been my luck this last year for the most part but um, some of the other planning things that I'll do would be, um, let's see, I got another question. Uh, what do you plan on feeding your bait? Um, basically, I don't feed them very much. I'll tell you that right now. Um, I go through bait pretty quick, uh, so I normally don't need to feed them because they can go for a long time without eating. Um, and if they do die, it might be one or two here and there, and, and you know, it, it's not a horrible deal. Uh, but I do have just some, um, I got a few different kinds, or the pellets and the flakes that I'll just throw in there every once in a great while if I feel like I haven't used them. Um, but, yeah, that's that's what I do as far as feeding my bait. And, and as far as um, Filtering and everything, I have basically a uh, ice cream, if you like the Nepal, Nepal, uh, Neapolitan uh, ice cream jugs, the big gallon, I don't know what they are, but the, you know, the big old jugs like that, I'll take that, um, I drill a bunch of holes along the bottom of that filter, and, or a lot, bottom of that uh, uh, ice cream jug, and then I fill it in with, uh, I'll put a, uh, the uh, dish scrubbies in there and I'll put like some aquarium rocks in it and I put some uh, activated carbon pellets that you can just buy at the fish store. I put all that into one thing and then I have like a pump that just pumps it from the inside and into the top of it and it just drains through the bottom of that and goes through everything and filters that way and it, and it does a great job of pulling it all the stuff out which you know at some point we'll do an episode basically right on uh, on on bait tanks and things like that and I'll do a video and have everything on exactly how I have mine set up and especially I might even do videos on on what I'm doing when I'm building uh, the ones that I'm building with that 330 gallon or whatever it is so but yeah you can you can throw uh, like for catching uh, creek chubs around me you know I go out with the ultralight pole uh, bluegills you know there's there's plenty of little uh, streams and stuff that I can catch uh, creek chubs at. I have probably 10 holes within half a mile of my house that I can catch creek chubs at. Uh, plenty of places for, for bluegills, all the different kinds of bluegills. Um, the uh, I don't have a great place for, for bullheads. Now that's, that's something I struggle with finding, but I've never even caught a flathead on a bullhead, so you know, I don't I know I've heard they're the greatest thing in the world since sliced bread on flathead bait, but I've just never done real well with them. They're they're hardy little buggers, though I'll tell you that. I've I've had them on and 
had them on all day on a hook and been slinging them out in the in the river and put them back in the live well, bring them back and taking them out again and using them again as bait and brought them back and they'll still be going. So, um, trying to think on uh, for my planning stages of uh, you know. If I'm going long trips and things like that, I definitely try to, of course, have uh, good information about where I'm staying at, how far the water that I want to fish is, um, you know, the the basically the reviews and, and things of that of of the hotels or wherever you're staying at, so that way you you know you know you're not in a bad area and. And, and and really, people should should look into that a little bit more. There, there's, you know, every town has that area that you might not want to be in, and that could be close to water. So you might, you know, do a little bit of research on the hotels and things that you're staying at, and you know, sometimes uh, saving ten or fifteen bucks might not be worth where you're hanging out at. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, Chuck, have you thought of anything else for your planning or, or Lyle or? Well, I've been using, we use the um, Google Earth a lot to uh, find our spots and the Navionics uh, deal. But I still like the old, old type maps. You know, when we went to Wheeler, that's the first thing we done, stopped, picked up a map. Um, every time I go somewhere, and they offer a map at the store wherever we're at. I'll always pick one up, and I'll refresh myself before I ever go, and I can figure out how far it's going to be to where I want to go and look around. And you do that pre-fishing, and you do that the day of tournament. Um, it also helps me with knowing how much, how far, because I know about how far I can go on fuel one direction, because you've got to come that far back. Uh, and, and the variables are current wind conditions, how much weight you've added to your boat and different things, but you can get a general idea, and I try to take all that stuff into consideration, uh, but I, I like to look over a map. You can put that map out on a table or something and put your vehicle. Uh, they're bigger, easier to see, easier for me to read, and you guys will always, when you catch up with age with me, you'll all understand how much how important that is, but um, the maps, nothing will ever take the place of, of a paper map um, three foot by three foot or whatever size they are, um, they're very helpful and and um, some of that stuff that's that's on those maps will never change. Uh, other things where there's current and stuff, uh, trees, washing, flooded areas, and different things like some of that stuff may or may not change. But uh, and a lot of times I'll come in after a day on the water and I'll make adjustments to that map of things I found and. Um, uh, it's just, uh, to me, that's very important when I'm going somewhere long distance to uh, uh, look for fish. Anthony Robinette says, uh, you know, what about checking your, your gear, uh, preparing for tournament? That's one of the things that I do is I go through and I will, um, it, honestly, I think it doesn't matter. I'll check my, my leader line, but almost every single time, no matter what, I cut my leader line, cut my hook off retie everything brand new. Uh, I'll, I will check above my leader line on my main line on my braid to see if I'm seeing any wear patterns or, you know, nicks in line anywhere. Uh, and then I'll cut that off, you know, go above that and then retie, you know, on fresher line. 
Um, I tried, you know, being so, and, and this goes into a little bit of being sponsored and stuff like that. You know, me having Black Horse custom rods out there and stuff. I I get I have a rag out there and I I can just get it wet and and clean off the scales and things like that. I mean. I know Lyle understands that you know sometimes there's gonna you know, your rod's not gonna be beautiful. It's not gonna be in pristine showroom condition. But as long as it's not disgusting to hold, then you know that's what I try to do. Is I try to make sure that it's it's a presentable uh, looking rod that people can you know really see the details in 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 the in the decals things like that in the in the doesn't have a bunch of crap on it. So I just, I just clean off the rods a bit. I give them a good wipe down. Um, yeah, pretty much uh, make sure that I have like all the the sinkers that I think I'm gonna need, all the you know hooks and everything, all is in my tackle box ready to go. Um, uh, you know, of course, make sure um, you know the the <laughs> trolling motors working, the fish finders working. Um, I know that you know. If it's if you get out to a body of water and you find out something's working that that or something's not working that would have been easy to check while you were in your garage or something that can completely uh, change the attitude of your trip and when that happens normally it's not a good trip you know it's just being frustrated at yourself so the more things like I think Lyle or, or Chuck might have said I can't remember having a checklist uh, of some basic things to check off before every tournament before leaving um, you know even even having making sure you have a spare tire you have a jack um, you have jumper cables you have one of the things I need to do is get um, uh, what do you call it the the bearings and the whatever the I don't know what they call it in the I couldn't do it if I needed to but I guess it'd be nice to have um, for your trailer, for your trailer axles, I can't think of what it is. Bearing buddies. Well, not the bearing buddy, but the uh, like. You're talking about something else. If your mind goes first. Yeah. <laughs> huh. But yeah, yeah. Bring it. You know, make sure you got a net in the boat. Make sure um, you got your cast net. You, if your cast net, you know, if you remember, you know, catching it up on a rock or a limb, uh, you can take some some monofilament and fix it up and um, or just go get you yeah that's it I think is a spare hub thanks Major Brown <laughs> yeah some people have the spare hub in there and uh, yeah first aid kit um, that's another good Charles Manning said you know where, wherever you're gonna be at you know have uh, um, the local hospital number or something like that you know and an address maybe in your phone. that's a great idea Yep, I mean, I've I've only had to call an ambulance uh, out on the water one time, and that's one time more than I wish I would have ever had to. You know, and I that was the that's just nine one one in that scenario. But you know, being able to, if I would have had to get off of that water and find a hotel or a hospital, I don't know what I would have done. You know, I mean, I had no idea. I see that Jason Acock thinks that he needs to have zebra cakes in his boat. Personally, I like smoke-flavored Vienna sausages, but zebra cakes would be okay. Ooh, Vienna sausages? Yeah, smoke-flavored. Oh, oh man. If you can eat them, they'll cure what ails you, dude. i tell you what, man. 
take some chicken livers out there, fry them up out there on the boat. Got you some chicken livers for eating and using for catfish bait. You are up with that too. There you go. You know, you was talking a minute ago about um, checking your line above your leaders. Well, I, you know, we always put new leaders and hooks on. I don't ever sharpen a hook if it's dull; it gets thrown away. Um, if I'm in a tournament, I don't have time to do it. When I get home, I ain't gonna screw with it. Uh, I think that's a waste of time, and um, I just don't mess with that. But uh, we was checking them lines and stuff before we left for Wheeler, and uh, I actually found a couple of nicks in some braid, and we were running 80 and 100 pound braid uh, on almost uh, all of our rigs. Well, it is on all of them. And I found some nicks, and, and one one of them, actually, I had to uh, rip back probably about four foot of line and uh, tie a new swivel on because it uh, it had so many nicks where we've been in some trees and uh, rocks or something, and uh, uh, that that's a great idea to go over your stuff before you... Man, there's nothing sorrier than breaking equipment uh, in a tournament or something after you spend a lot of money, travel long distance, get there, uh, where in a second and a half or two seconds you can check that braid and make sure that it's good or your main line, whatever, uh, so you don't have to mess with it. I mean, it's just it's another, it's a common sense deal to me. Well, yeah, Adam, it was, but I guess the Don Johnson that was just in here apparently didn't like our show. I'm sorry, Don. Was it matter? He's going back to watching Miami Vice. <laughs> well, I'm sorry about that. Who? Don Damn. Johnson. You know, I don't, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess the show ain't going to be for everybody, but, you know, I don't know what the point in telling me that it was, that this is stupid and you're going back to watching Miami Vice is, so. Oh, have sweet. A, have a good time. Watch Miami yeah. Vice. <laughs> good luck. But everybody else, you know. 30-something people in here today. That's awesome. That's 38. Um, yeah, 38 people. Um, you know, you know, that's that's. You're gonna have people that don't like the show. You guys all in here. You all, you all talk and chat, and you you know help with great ideas and and talking, and that's what uh, <laughs> that's what makes the show great. I think you know, people oh, yeah. really enjoy it. I, I was down in Cumberland City this weekend. Um, Trying to catch skipjack. Apparently, I I forgot how to in a year, so um, you know I had a real real tough time. But you know we had we had a few guys around us catching fish, and we're talking about catfish weekly and stuff. And and you know he might you know might rec remember the name of the website you know next week or whatever. But um, you know he definitely seemed all about it. He said he definitely was gonna. Um, watch a show and sounded something like it was super interesting to him. He could sit and talk, listen to Catfish talk for hours on end, which, you know, we can too, apparently. <laughs> apparently, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, um, you know, I guess I've heard, I've even tried to make, I don't know, the, the baits, I guess, the, you know, you get like, uh, Clam juice and 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 uh, sardines and and you put some stuff together and you think oh man this has got to be the ultimate catfish bait but you start messing with that stuff in the kitchen and your wife comes in and normally it doesn't go over too well. <laughs> <laughs> 
And well, you have this big jar of this secret concoction that you think is going to change the world of catfishing, but <laughs> it doesn't get very far. <laughs> yeah, not usually. I remember, I guess it was last last year I had seen a, on a video or a Reddit or something that a guy was using chicken breast and cutting them up into chunks and soaking them in clam juice. I've heard the chicken breast with uh, like strawberry Kool-Aid and Jello and stuff like that. I mentioned that to Cindy and boy the next trip we went to where we was fishing for channel cast she had it in the boat buddy. I don't remember if we caught anything off of it or not but we had it you know and, and that's just part of preparation. If you, and I, I'll tell you I believe that if you think it'll work it'll work. I really do. Um, why else would people buy all that stink bait crap? Because basically you'll catch some stuff on it, but uh, from what I've seen over the years, it's pretty minimal, usually pretty small. But um, you know, if you think it'll work for you, it probably will work for you. And if you don't think it will, it probably won't. Yeah. Does the like the, a couple guys in the chat have mentioned having an extra prop? That's a um, great idea. Having the extra prop, don't you need the, you, you might, if you lose a prop or you have a bad enough problem with a prop, well, once you probably need that, that pin or whatever as well, so an extra yes. prop pin. Yeah, they'll, they'll fall, pin. they'll fall in the water quick and they'll be gone. And an extra also. Yeah, you ain't got nothing in that boat till take its place either. Nope, and even if you hang a net under it, that nut will fall right through that dip net. Yep. Got yeah. A couple extra things to have on the boat too would be uh, um, a plug, an extra boat plug or two, and a truck. Um, if you have a so any any sort of adapter, I guess that would you know hooking up trailer wires. Um, if you have like a four-way to a, a round adapter that'll fit your truck or whatever, having an extra one of those would be a good idea. Um, I have two of those. Just in case one, you know, backing it down in the water or whatever, one of them goes bad. Um, you got an extra one to 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 back it up. Uh, yeah, the prop wrench, having a prop wrench, being able to get it off. Um, you know, there's a lot of things. You know, extra oil. Um, there's I've seen uh, when I went down with uh, Brian and Denise, he had he had a giant box that was just filled with stuff that. You hopefully never need, you know, like a new hub and, and bearings and extra, you know, plug wires and, and just every oil, everything under sun. I mean, it was a 100-pound box that he carried around, and, and, you know, it's 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 a good thing to plan and be prepared. Um, I've had tournaments where I've went on the way there, I lost a trailer tire, and on the way back, I lost a trailer tire, you know, so... You know, you might have one, have have prepared for one, but, you know, maybe even having two if you want to. Especially, I would say especially anybody that has a, a, a dual axle trailer, you know, you're looking at, you're looking at four wheels over two. Having a, a double blowout is, is more of a possibility for you. Uh, extra anchor, maybe in the truck or something like that, just in case, or in a boat. Um Extra batteries for your uh, your Minn Kota remote. They're hard to find in uh, 
they'll die on you when you least expect it. They say yeah, they, last, they last four years, but I, I don't think so. No, my, my a regular uh, iPilot controller, I would say it's like a 2032 battery, I believe, the little circular batteries. Um, probably change it every year at the very least. The uh, the new remotes, the Link remotes, don't use that battery at all. They're only rechargeable, and I'll tell you right now, if you're out there using that on a he heavy usage basis, it's going to last you about four, maybe five hours. So you definitely want to have um, the USB-style charger cable on the boat to be able to charge that remote for the iPilot Link out on the water. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh. You know, there's um, Robert Tallman mentioned the Marine Radio, the VHF model. Um, I really believe that that is something that if you're running the big rivers, you should have in your boat. Um, <clears throat> I was turned on to those by Ricky Bracken a few years ago, and, and I uh, really need to get on a stick and, and get one because if you break down, you can get a hold of uh, them. If if you're sitting out there broke down, the barge is coming at you, you can get a hold of them. If you roll up to the dams to lock through, you can get a hold of them guys. Um, for big water fishing on big rivers or any navigable water where you have to lock through a dam or something, I think it is essential that one of them be in every boat. Um, uh, I'm glad that Robert brought that up because I had forgot about that. But um, uh, those can be a lifesaver. And not only that, if you're not having problems, uh, when you're coming down the canal at St. Louis or you're pulling up to a dam or something, you say, hey, I'm coming through. Uh, can I get right in or need to wait or, you know, whatever the case may be, and they'll talk right back to you. So, uh uh, when when we're down St. Louis, uh, there's a lot of barge traffic, and I'm, I mean a lot of barge traffic down there, uh, more than anybody ever realized unless they've been there. And, uh, you know, if you're in a spot, one of them can holler at you or you can holler at them and, and ask if you're in the way. If you are, you get out of the way, and uh, if you're not, they'll tell you that they got it. And uh, it's just a really, really good idea to have one of those in your boat. Yeah, and, and uh, Charles Manning, you know, and uh, extra batteries for your camera or your video, um, and, and also I brought up for your scales. Um, I've been yes. in a situation. I do not. I have a a, a pair of 110-pound scales in my tackle box that I keep in the box, <coughs> and the batteries are not even installed in it. The, the batteries are still in the original packaging, and. Um, I only put a battery in that scale if I have to use it because twice, somehow, I don't know how the batteries went dead somehow, and I was unable to uh, weigh fish over 50 pounds. Um, my 50-pound my my culling scales were, you know, maxed out, and I, you can't, you know, I couldn't weigh the fish because my batteries are dead. So I don't even put them in that scale. I only put the batteries in it uh, if I'm going to weigh a big fish. Well, any electronic scale that I've ever used, seen, or been around, if you leave batteries in them, they'll go dead. Yep. We so take them out every time when when we're done using them because uh, you'll forget to take them out at the end of your trip, and the next time you go to use it, they're dead. And uh, we keep a set of spares in the boat, but uh, you just you got to take them out of the electronic scale. I don't know whether 
there, there's a drain in all of them that I've ever been around, and and uh, they'll go down in just a day or two if you leave them in there. Yeah, or you know, getting knocked around your tackle box, they can um, you know come on and off. I I was I was getting my tackle box <laughs> off of the boat Sunday. I pulled it over the side of the boat and I let it down, and when it hit the ground, um, my trolling motor came on. I had my iPilot controller in my tackle box, and when it hit the ground, I guess something hit the jackrabbit button, and it and my my trolling motor jumped on uh, the speed of ten. So, uh, and I didn't. I mean, I, I heard something bump at the time. I didn't know what it was, and then I started looking around the boat, and I seen my uh, trolling motor running wide open. Yeah, so, the um, there's there's flashlights, and you know, they they they're not battery used. They you. I'm sorry, I had to do it, but that's how you charge them. You know, you just shake them up, and yeah, we got some of those emergency flashlights like that. So, like that, I mean, that's a good thing to have the flashlight that is it, you don't need batteries for. And I and I was gonna tell everybody the most important thing, one of the most important things to playing for any tournament. And I've had partners not do this on me. Look at the weather forecast. See if it's gonna be cold. If it's gonna be <laughs> rainy. You know, don't show up to a tournament with no coat. And then be sitting there freezing, and every time I try to get to move to a spot, you're going, stop, we can't go anymore, I'm freezing. Who or that? The, just one of my partners, he did it, and he he did not look at the thing, the weather forecast, and he froze his butt off, man. He kept saying, stop, 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 because I was trying to move from spot to spot, and I had to stop for like every five seconds because he was just freezing with no coat on. And, I, and I'm like, why would you not look at the weather forecast? <laughs> But you need to know if you're going to need a rain gear, if you're going to need a coat, how you need to dress. Uh, weather, weather is one of the first things you should be looking at and, and watching coming up to a tournament or going just fishing for fun. I mean, you don't want to be on a boat with uh, no rain gear or no plan for the weather that's coming at you. That is 100% correct. But uh, yeah, spare eyeglasses um, or sunglasses. That's always good to have. Um, I, I keep an extra pair in my truck, so that way of uh, prescription glasses in my truck. And all my, I think all my prescription glasses have the built-in, the built-in uh, change to sunglasses and stuff. So even though, just so everybody knows, I might be going to contact. So I know I'm good looking now, but I might even be better looking with contact in again. So. Better watch out, all, all you Scott Wisemans out there. <laughs> but by the way, we you know I, we took a, a guy that's new to catfishing. His name is Chaz Anderson. Me and Scott Wiseman, never been skipjack fishing. New to new to um, tournament catfishing. Um, you know we had an awesome time with him. He asked a lot of questions, and and we had no problem answering answering questions with him, and and. It's something that we talk about here on the show is is taking new people out, um, answer questions. You know, don't you know? I mean, we shared a hotel room, shared a truck drive down, um, and we had a great time. I mean, 
You know, it, it is really, <laughs> it was really uh, awesome, awesome meeting him, awesome spending time with him. He really enjoyed uh, catfishing and skipjack fishing and learning, and and we enjoyed you know hanging out with him. He's a real cool guy, um, you know, and just you guys need to to do that, you know, take 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 people that are new with you to do things like that and and introduce them to what catfishing is and into the family or the brotherhood of catfishermen, I guess. And show them what we're about. And that's how we're going to get the people, the right kind of people, into this sport, you know, is by is by being who we are and, and really being uh, open and, and inviting. But, uh, yeah, he, he said that, I'll tell you right now, he said they had mountain trolls in Tennessee because I was snoring so much. And I, I, I tell people I snore, but I am getting the CPAP machine and some people that have a hotel room with me in the future or whatever, you know, hopefully I'll be quiet from then on, but I'm a pretty bad snorer right now. I just got a message from Don Johnson. Yeah. I can't repeat it. Uh. Well, I just cause I can't. <laughs> Quite well, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Did he say who he was? Well, yeah. Cause I I know who it is. Okay. I I think I know who it is anyway. Quite interesting. Very funny. But uh, let's see. I'm trying to read some of the, some of the chat. Map in the boat. <laughs> well, oh, the am I gonna keep the CPAP machine on the boat? I might need to. <laughs> Jason's Hopefully, maybe I won't be as tired if I use the dang thing, so I won't be sleepy in the boat. Well, that may or may not be the issue. I don't know. Yeah, I bet that Don Johnson's a huge pay laker. <laughs> pay lake. He 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 got he wears pay lake madness, and I bet I bet that's what it is. I bet I bet he thinks Akuma cold waters are the best reel ever made too. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, he's a commercial. He's a commercial fisherman from Kentucky. <laughs> but anyway, all right, guys. I think uh, we're, we ran a pretty good, pretty good show on the topic. We got a lot of the. A lot of the stuff covered. You guys got anything to add to it, or you want to go ahead and do some closing statements and get her done for the night? No, just, just don't what? forget, if you're ever planning a trip, uh, call and invite me. <laughs> That's the most important part. What was that now, Chuck? If you're planning a trip, invite me. That's the most important part. <laughs> and Robert said he, they, they took a vet out. A veteran, and she never caught a catfish, and got her first one ever with them, and that's that's awesome, you know. I mean, that's what we got to be doing. We got to be getting people out there, and and just really enjoying them. And another another thing I was going to tell you guys about, just one more thing that I did, um, besides you know having that calendar app on my phone, I also went and bought the big giant desktop calendar, you know, pen and paper. So while I'm sitting here, I can write down if something comes up, so that way I don't forget about it. I can write it on this calendar. It's got a big old section for notes, and I can keep notes for 
Catfish Weekly or whatever I need to on the side here too, and and I think this is going to work out really well as well. Um, so that's an idea for some people there, if you if just to help you keep track of everything that's going on, you know. And and and, and Chuck, I I know you're you're getting some advice from me to you, and I told Lyle this too. He'll tell you, you know, you're getting you're into the tournament catfishing, you're really into it and everything. But you have to take time to go on them fun trips and just enjoy yourself fishing, man. Not have the stress of a tournament. Uh, you really got to to make sure you still keep your passion for for just fishing. Enjoy it. Go out there with uh, with your wife or just by yourself if you need to, or, or a friend, and and just sit out there and take in the scenery and take your time, relax, and and enjoy fishing for catfish. Oh yeah, I'm still going to be doing it, but I I won't be able to, uh, you know, plan and go on uh, longer distance trips like I used to. Like, you know, I I would always try to get the wheeler, uh, you know, once every two months and stuff like that. Um, You know, I'm just going to have to fun fish here right in front of the house more often. And you know, if I do, if I do, if I do plan some trips out, I'm going to it's it's going to be off fun fishing but also to um, you know do a little bit of pre-fishing ahead of time to get to know some of these lakes that I've never fished that's like I said supposed to be considered my home lakes that I'm supposed to um, you know I've I've got to be able to hold my own on these things so um, I got to get out and get to know them so that's going to be my fun fishing one, one other good idea before we get off here on planning and things like that um if you're going fishing by yourself or even with a friend or something, uh, let your wife, girlfriend, somebody know exactly where you're going to be at. I'm talking, you know, if you can, if you're going to be on a lake, exactly where you're going to be at around on the lake or what lake exactly you're going to be on, what town it's in. Um, if you're going to be on a river, exactly what stretch of the river you're going to be on uh, and exactly when you should be home and when they should hear from you or not hear from you and and in case of you know something happening, they know where to send people to look for you. Um, so that's another great idea to for preparation and and safety and things like that. Always let somebody know exactly where you're going to be at, exactly when to be when you're planning to be heard from uh, to be back. So yeah, there's so many places on the river that you do not have cell phone uh, signal. Uh, you'll be surprised when you get when you get out on these rivers in between these towns, um, and, and you get in these, you know, down in these hollows and stuff. Um, you know, you, it, we went to a tournament last year and we could not use the the phone all night. I mean, that's how bad this place was. And then two places two places on Logan Martin yesterday. I've never been. We couldn't get a signal. And then there was like three places on Gunnersville Saturday up around the. Uh, uh, up above the Scottsboro where we couldn't. So, you know, you could you could be on the bank freezing to death. A uh, boat broke down, and um, you can't call nobody or anything. And, and when it's this cold out, there's not a whole lot of boats running around around 5 or 6 o'clock in the, uh, right before dark um, for you to, you know, try to, you know, holler at, send, you know, blow your little horn or whatever. So, Yeah, well, everybody... Uh... Thanks for coming tonight. Um, there's Don Johnson right there. 
<laughs> Where's Don Johnson? He just posted. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks, Tim. We we you know we're gonna try to keep it up. We're gonna keep doing it as long as we can, and as long as everybody keeps showing up and listening to us, we'll keep going. So, uh, um, Chuck, if you have anything to close us out, we'll go ahead and get it closed out, and we'll see everybody next week. But Chuck, go ahead. No, I'm good. Uh, hope to see everybody next week, and I had a good time tonight. Appreciate everybody coming by. All right. Lyle? I just wanted to uh, let everybody know that I think it's the third week, uh, third Saturday of February will be our uh, first Twisted Cat Outdoor Tournament at Columbia Bottoms in uh, St. Louis. So uh, if you get a chance, come on down there. And uh, a pretty good crowd tonight, 38 people in chat. Uh, may be the largest group that I remember seeing. So uh, very, very happy about that. That's really good. And and uh, thanks, Don, for coming on. It's a lot of fun when stuff like that goes on. Even if the people in chat doesn't realize what's going on and, and behind the scenes, uh, it's still a lot of fun for us. And uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool. But um, yeah, everybody, uh, be careful out there skipjacking. And and if you're getting out to go fishing, I know there's been some guys get out there. Be very careful. The water's extremely cold. We don't want anybody getting hurt. Want you to all come back and see us next Monday. All right, yeah, everybody, uh, skipjacking at the Tennessee Cumberland Power Plant was not awesome on this weekend, but I I'm thinking with some cooler weather, it'll probably get a little better. Um, there was a lot of people out there this weekend. Uh, some people got on a few of them. Most, mostly, I I'm hearing like at the most 30, 30, maybe 40 apiece, uh, and that's with you know a good hard 10 hours of fishing. So. Um, and that's per person, you know. They they weren't on like they're on a lot of times down there, uh, and and there was a guy that almost, you know, an older gentleman almost fell in the water, and you know, with the rocks and and the mud and everything that's down there, you guys got to be careful, uh, and, and keep all that in mind no matter where you're at, you know. Try to be around somebody, let them know, uh, you know, if you need help, don't be too too uh, prideful to ask for it, and um, so. Besides that, like I said, thanks everybody for showing up tonight. Lyle said 38 people. That's I, I believe that is an all-time record so far on the chat. Uh, hopefully that just keeps growing, and we have to keep paying for more and more users to be able to log in. So, um, you know, everybody knows all the the advertising that's available. Uh, it's still available, and uh, if you have any questions on any of that, super fan, uh, that's still available. Uh, we'll probably, I think next week we're going to do the, next Monday will be the What's Up show. That's basically going to be the, uh, what all has been going on this month in, in catfishing. And we'll talk about um, just all the recent topics and things like that. Just the information sort of week show that we're going to have. If you guys got any ideas that you want us to talk about, uh, send us a message, let us know, or post them on the uh, Catfish Weekly Facebook pages. Um, besides that, I think that's all I have. Uh, make sure that if ever, anybody's out there fishing and you see me and I'm out there, you just stay out of my spot. <laughs>